Masters in Divinities, I might add. The Life of Muhammad, the Sirah. I am Michael Del Jonah, along with Dr. Bill Warner from politicalislam.com, author of the book Sharia Law for Non-Muslims, the entire Taste of Islam series where you get a real doctrinal and historical understanding. In fact, one of those four is The Life of Muhammad and the Sirah. The reason we do this, um, we do this because, first of all, it would be impossible for you to even understand the Quran. And that's not even the majority of their beliefs. It's impossible to understand the Quran until you understand the life of Muhammad. It's impossible to understand the news until you understand the life of Muhammad. And, of course, this week, uh, two things that, that are worthy of note. One, um, I was never Frank Wycheck. I never played major college football, and I never played in the National Football League, let alone was a star and an all-pro. Uh, but I do remember Fridays playing high school football and being very distracted in class on Friday. So I'll admit to you that I'm a little excited about the Super Bowl, so I'm going to try to be a good student today, Dr. Warner. Uh, Secondly, of course, we can't ignore the fact that the President of the United States, who made his first order of business after being elected president to go to Cairo, insisting the Muslim Brotherhood, who were banned and imprisoned, be at the speech at a Cairo university where he denounced America and praised Islam, and now he has chosen to bookend his presidency by going to a radical mosque in Baltimore with ties to terrorism to do the very same thing again. Uh, The president has spoken at a college, a Catholic university, where he made a crucifix be covered, but he let Allah displays abound while he was at the mosque. And it's all the same lies and rhetoric. And that is, Islam is a great, peaceful religion, known for its tolerance, known for its human rights, known for treating people... And, of course, as we know, jihad, intolerance, killing of innocent civilians, and a desire to control the world, not just militarily, but governmentally, economically, and with a Sharia system of life, is really what the life of Muhammad and true Islam is all about. And you even got the opening line that Islam means peace. Uh, It must drive you crazy when you hear speeches like this. Uh, well, if you mean banging my head on my desk, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. I mean, I couldn't believe he drug out the old one, which is, I mean, Google, what does the word Islam mean? It means submission. Submission, right. But uh, we get from the... It's, all- a, it's a religion of peace once you're conquered or once you surrender. Until then, there is no peace. And as we've often said, look at every nation in the world with a Muslim population above 90% under Sharia law. They're the least peaceful places on planet Earth. You're talking about Yemen? uh, Anyone. Pick one. Um, How about Afghanistan? But, you know, there there was something that a listener sent me, Doc, that that I think is so significant and important. 
you know, he's always like, you know, well, what would Muhammad do? Remember the whole craze, what would Jesus do? Yes. We ought to be making the focus more, what would Muhammad do? You know, a guy just blew up a plane. He got sucked out the window and, and frankly, ends up being the only one dead. They make an emergency landing. But what would Muhammad do? He would have done that and instructed him to do that. Uh, when you see them targeting, whether it's San Bernardino, whether it's Paris, or whether it's an embassy, whether it's a barrack, what would Muhammad do? He would have instructed them to do that. So, you know, for me, it all comes down to not what Paul Galloway thinks, not what Barack Hussein Obama thinks. It really comes down to what would Muhammad do? What does Muhammad think? What does he teach? What did he live by example? And what does he command? And that's what this course is all about. I tell people when they say, well, I asked this Muslim and he said, I say, well, you know, I have a Muslim I always ask. His name is Muhammad. Right. Now, here's the rules of the game. If your Muslim agrees with Muhammad, then he's correct but redundant. If your Muslim disagrees with Muhammad, then he's wrong. So let's skip and just let's just go to the, stu- the real deal, which is Muhammad. And besides that, why wouldn't we want to study Muhammad? I mean, so far we've got uh, slaves, we've got attacks, we have sneak attacks, we have the reformulation of the world's religions in Christianity and Judaism, because one of the things we're going to recover today, because we covered it just at the very end last time, is if you're a Christian, you may think that Jesus and the Gospels define Christianity. Wrong answer. It is Muhammad and the Quran that defines Christianity. If somebody's listening to a first class today, um, because we have started in childhood, uh, by the way, you will notice, uh, first of all, by the way, none of this, I know Paul Galloway has attacked in this way, none of us are interested in it. We're not interested in a Sharia caliphate, and we're not interested in a Christian theocracy. Our Heavenly Father isn't interested in it. Our founding fathers weren't interested, and nothing, and nobody you're listening to today is interested in it. We are interested in you understanding the life of Muhammad and how it relates to the things that you're seeing around the world and hearing in the news. Uh, we think he was actually a pretty extraordinary guy, very, very smart. Um, and there's nothing that you're seeing in the news today that he didn't do first. And so we kind of walk through the Mecca years. Uh, we walk through the Medina years. We walk through the persecution of Christians and Jews and the people of the book. How would you, for those that are tuning in for the first time, in a minute and a half— get them up to speed to where we're about to start, which is the end of Chapter 8 and the starting of Chapter 9? Well, let's summarize. First off, we need to point out that there are, in essence, two different Muhammads. We have the Muhammad of Mecca, who preached the religion of Islam. He did not preach jihad. He preached the religion of Islam for 13 years and converted 150 Arabs to Islam. Now, the Meccans found him... In an area that he was just one of 360-something religions. Nobody really... Uh, Mecca was a pilgrimage town, and it had 360 religions there. So then he moves to Medina at the insistence of the Meccans, whereupon he becomes a politician and a jihadist. And so now then we – he also becomes, if you will, the man who decrees through his God Allah what Judaism and Christianity are. And that's where we're going to pick up today because, like I say, most Christians would figure that Jesus and the Gospels would define Christianity. But according to Islam, Jesus was not – Jesus and the Gospels are corrupt because you see the real purpose. Meaning he was not Messiah, Christ, one with the Father. Well, the real purpose of uh, Isa, which is the Jesus of the Quran, was to proclaim the coming of Muhammad. So uh, I want to today just pick up because we squeezed in one little last paragraph. Well, that begs the question, what do they do with John the Baptist, whose job in the Bible was the proclaiming of the Messiah and the Christ? Well, you know, I don't know what (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to stump you. But uh, we need to. Uh, we, there are events that happen several times a year called Family of Abraham events when Christians show up and they listen to Muslims tell them who they are and what they should think. And, who, <laughs> and uh, by the way, our Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But go ahead. 
Anyway, so let's recover what Islam says about Isa, which is the real Jesus. First off, he was not crucified. When the Jews plotted against Jesus, they found Allah to be the best plotter because Allah took Jesus up directly to him and will refute those who said he was crucified and resurrected. So Jesus was not crucified. He was not resurrected. On the day of resurrection, those who follow Jesus but do not believe in his divinity will be blessed. In other words, Jesus is, Isa is just another prophet, mm-hmm. the one that came before Muhammad. And those who insist that Jesus is God, part of the Trinity, and reject the true faith will be punished in hell. So I'm amused by these uh, Christians who show up to proclaim that they're one with the family of Abraham. Well, because to do so, they have to, to deny denounce their the, own eternity, the right. deity of Christ, and, and the gospel. The, and the gospels. That's not tolerance, folks. That's validation. And that's very so, dangerous. So anyway, now we've gotten up to the point where we've already had the f- battle that changed the world, which is the Battle of Batter, B-A-D-R. And now then we're going to come to another battle. And this battle is particularly important because one of the things that you notice when you deal with Islam is it is relentless and it never gives up. As an example, it took them 700 years to crush what is now called Turkey. It took them 700 years. Didn't matter. They had all the time in the world. And the Battle of Uhud is going to teach Muslims that question which they remember to today. You defeated today? Don't worry about it. Allah will give you victory in the end. So today we're at uh, the Battle of Uhud, which is, uh, rem- if we remember in Badr, the Meccans got their backsides kicked. Mm-hmm. They were outnumbered, the Muslims, three to one, but they lost. So they raised an army, and this time they've come back, and this, this is near the, mount, as near the mountain of Mount Uhud. So, this would be what, near Medina? In near Medina yeah, it's, the Medina it's, area. it's near Medina. So uh, now I want to, uh, here, here's the basic strategy. Muhammad lays out the battlegrounds, and he was a tactical genius. And he places 50 archers on a small hill, and he says, you are to cover everything. You will not move until the battle is over in case we need you. But what happened was the battle started going for the Muslims, and the archers saw the treasure of the Meccans being left behind, so they broke ranks and ran <laughs> down to get to the get stuff. <laughs> they went to get their stuff. Well, all of a sudden the battle Some turned. Some things never change regardless <laughs> of your faith, right? Uh, so anyway, so due to their greed, they moved position, and as a result, the Meccans won the battle. Uh-oh. But now then, I want, one of the things— I can we, only imagine what happens to these archers. Uh, well, they get condemned in, in the, uh, in the uh, Quran. But by the way, I want to read you four lines of poetry here. One of the things we haven't covered is nearly a third of the original Sirah is war poetry. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a piece of war poetry that the Meccan women sang. If you advance, we will hug you and place soft rugs beneath you. If, we, if you retreat, we will leave you. Leave and no more love you. Wow. Well, well, what do you think we're talking about here? Well, yeah, obviously. It's <laughs> fight, win, or I'm cutting you off. Right, okay. right. So anyway, one of the Meccan women had a black slave named Washi, and he was an expert with the javelin. And she said, if you will kill, uh, what was the man, Ham, Hamza, then I will give you your freedom, because Hamza had killed her husband. And so she paid him to do that. And we get a description of, of Washi hanging around the edge of the battle, waiting for his time to strike Hamza, and he does. Now, one of the things that Hen did was she cut his liver out and ate it. And said, there's another piece of war With poetry. fava beans. No, right, right. Oh, no, that was Silence of the Lambs. I apologize. So anyway, uh, sh- they went through the battlefield and mutilated the corpses. Now then, here's another piece of poetry. We have rewarded you for batter. By the way, you just flew over mutilated the corpses, which, by the way, a lot of people are horrified when they see on the news. It's not enough that they execute these people. They play with the bodies, play soccer with the heads. 
uh, do other unspeakable things. You know, a lot of this comes from their history, too. Yeah, well, it's there. Anyway, the last piece of poetry by Hind is, We have rewarded you for batter. Continued war is violent. I, have bro- I was broken by the loss of my father and brother. They were killed at batter. I have fulfilled my vengeance. Washi has slacked the burning in my breast. Thank you, Washi. Is it now, this woman, by the way, fast forward, is later going to submit and become a Muslim. I was just going to say, is it also worthy to note that Hamza, Hamza, however you're going to say it, uh, killed a man whose mother performed female circumcision? And yes, uh, that's a, something that. Well, we can you know, we can cover today. that. This is part of the. Uh, by the way, this is one of these events that makes you wonder how true this event is. Remember, this book was written down 200 years after Muhammad's death. Don't you but love we, how people always debate the accuracy of Scripture, but they never debate the accuracy of... Well, actually, there's serious scholarship that does, but yeah. we're not allowed to speak about that oh, okay. in public. More of WTN University, Masters in Divinities, The Life of Mohammed the Sira, with Dr. Bill Warner from PoliticalIslam.com in a moment. Miss Freeman, perhaps you'd like to share with the entire class what you and Mr. Del Giorno find so funny? You're listening to WTN University on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. Alice Cooper celebrating his 68th birthday this week. WTN University, Masters in Divinity is the life of Mohammed the Sira with Dr. Bill Warner. I'm Michael Del Giorno. You know, but I think it's interesting that we're very early in this very key uh, jihadi setback in the Battle of Ahud. Uh, and we get our first real reference to clitoral mutilation, mm-hmm. which, you know, most Muslims will tell you, oh, that's not Quranic. Muhammad had nothing to do with that. That's simply uh, cultural and so on and so forth. But here it is. Well, there were many things that were cultural that were brought into Islam. For instance, the idea of doing a procession around the Kaaba is part of Islam before Muhammad ever got there. So what we have to do is, and the line you're referring to is, during the Battle of Uhud, uh, Hamza yells at one of the Meccans and says, Come here, you son of a clitoris cutter, because his, this man's mother performed clitoral surgery on young girls. Now, the important point here is, is this is never condemned. Mm-hmm. It is simply allowed and accepted. Which is why some do it, some, some don't. Right. But you can't erase the links. Right, but Muhammad. you can't say, no, you cannot do it. Right. It is not forbidden, which is important. So uh, after this battle... Uh, the Quran goes ahead, by the way. You remember, the reason they lost the battle was the archers broke ranks to ran to get the stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what's interesting. The Quran promises two things, victory in the future, and you'll get more stuff. That is, there'll be fresh booty to take. So I think that this is important. And that's usually literal. And by the way. Not just figurative booty. Well, yes, both and both. And uh, so we have then that they will succeed in the future. So the loss at this battle is one of the reasons that, mo- that Muslims are all, when they lose, it's like, well, we lost a new hood. We just keep on doing it. Allah will grant us victory. There's an important now, message I was just going to say, and translate that to today. So they take over a city, you push them out. We think that's a victory that adds to the next victory and the next victory, and they're losing. They don't. Setback. They're coming right back. I mean, when you're following the news of territory in Syria or Baghdad, you're not following it through the eyes of a Muslim. You're following it through the eyes of perhaps a Muslim president and a bad strategy or a mainstream media that understands it even less. But you're not understanding it from the mind of a jihadist or ISIS in this case. So anyway, Muslims have incredible morale. Mm-hmm. And they also have incredible patience. As I pointed out, it took them seven centuries of attacks on what was called Asia Minor. It's in the book of Revelation. Uh, it took them seven centuries. But that's okay. They just kept going. They got driven out of Spain, but they're back. They got driven out of the Balkans, but they're back. 
So they never, ever quit. Uh, Do we learn anything in this battle from the the, the Meccans win, but they don't press their advantage? They, they don't, don't keep advantage. going. They no, take no, no, the- no, 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 no. They don't go for total victory. They sort of said, well, you killed about yay many of us last time. We've killed about yay many. Hey, translate, even- translate that to Saddam Hussein. So, you know, H.W. Bush takes him out in two days. Right. Gets all the way to Baghdad and stops. Just like the Meccans. Exactly. I mean, you must look at wars differently. Oh, I do. From these understandings. As a matter of fact, one of the things that happens after you study the life of Muhammad is you look at all news events differently. So Now, this you kind of glossed over 1578. Uh, Hind and the other women went through the battlefield, mutilated their corpses. Hind cut off their ears, their noses, to make them into bracelets. Bracelets. Uh, Hind removed Hamza's liver and chewed it raw. What's the significance of all of that? Well, this was obvious. Now, this, by the way, this woman who's doing this, this is not Sunnah in the sense of it doesn't set the path. Uh, as a matter of fact, at one time, Muhammad said, don't mutilate bodies because the Meccans started, I mean, the, his Muslims started to do the same. He said, no, no, don't do that. So we have, as so many other things in Islam, you can say yes or you can say no. Mm-hmm. So it's just one okay. of those. But now then, the battle doesn't keep on, doesn't stop here because the wind gave some uh, the Arab tribesmen hope that they could overcome Muhammad, and so they had a leader. Uh, and what did Muhammad do with the leader? He sent out his own man to join their group, and when he could, kill him. And when he kills him, what does he do? He removes the head and he brings it back to Muhammad. And Muhammad was gratified by the head and said, "Here, I'm going to give you something which will help you on Judgment Day." And he gave him a walking stick. He said, on Judgment Day, very few men will have these, but you will and you will receive. Basically, Muhammad is allowed to inter- inter- do intercession work with Allah. He can sit there with Allah on Judgment Day and say, okay, this guy was really helpful. Cut, cut him some slack, Allah. So that's how deeply involved Muhammad is in the Day of Resurrection. Of course, this whole course is to give us all a different perspective of a war we're in and the news that we're following uh, it's interesting that Muhammad would send him to join the enemy, in other words, befriend them, yes. deceive them. A secret agent. Only to eventually assassinate them. It, a true understanding of Muhammad's life should give somebody like Barack Obama or others that want to surround themselves with Muslims in government, in military, in homeland security, in education, in health care, uh, what they might be truly up to. Well, what they're up to is victory. Which is, uh, remember, Islam means submission. And so this is all manner will be done. And remember, they're tenacious and they don't stop, no matter how long it takes. 1130, WTN University Masters in Divinities, The Life of Muhammad, the Sira with Dr. Bill Warner continues after the news on this Super Bowl weekend, Friday, February 5th, sunny and 42, on our way to a high of 50. The news starts now. I know you know this material better than the professor, but at least look interested. Oh, that's not true in this class. You're listening to WTN University on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. 11.37, 23 minutes before noon on a Super Bowl Carolina Panther weekend. I am Michael Del Giorno with Dr. Bill Warner, who knows nothing about the Carolina Panthers or the Denver Broncos and has pledged to only watch for maybe two, three minutes. Well... Just a little bit. <laughs> we are, uh, and let me tell you something, ABC's miniseries Mad Off has nothing on the life of Muhammad. WTN University, the life of the Muhammad, the Sira. You know, I think, you know, we often talk about this, Bill, before we get back into the class. Um, 
the, the biggest problem we have is we look at Muhammad, we look at the Quran, we look at the Sirah, we look at the Hadith through the eyes of Western eyes. And so we're critical thinkers, number one. So if Jesus had been really nice and turned really wicked, we'd say he was a nut. <laughs> you know, and then it's over. But there's, there's the duality of the teaching and the acceptance. And also in the Western eyes, we kind of, the way we live is to avoid war. It's always a last result. Uh, it is the darkest parts of our history. Um, there are greatest triumphs in some cases, but nobody relishes them and lives for them. We live to avoid them. These people love war, and they're they're prone to war. It's how they solve their understanding of the world and injustice. And um, you know, I think we see that in, in a lot of these teachings in the class today. That and that's that's a difficult thing for us to get our arms around. Well. War is indeed lauded. Remember, the warrior is the highest possible Muslim. And uh, so war is standard in Islam. 24% of the Quran written in Medina is about jihad. Now, none of the Quran written in Mecca was about jihad. That's That's where the, quote, peaceful religion comes from. But the peaceful religion did not succeed. Barack Obama, Paul Galloway, radical imams, Muslim Brotherhood, CARE... They really are only giving people one side of the story. Gosh, really? Well, no, I know, but <laughs> that was like a tee-off for you to No, 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 because it, but what they're doing here is Islam is dualistic. There's almost no subject on which it does not hold two different opinions. And so, therefore, it has what it needs when it needs it. And they don't have to, the... They don't the, want, they won't discuss that side till it's too late. Right. For instance, in our Tennessee textbooks, which are becoming Sharia compliant, what they say is true, it's just that it's half true. Right. And of course, in our courts of law, half truth is considered to be a lie. Your problem, my problem, and the goal was never to create a theocracy. Your problem, my problem is it's historically inaccurate and incomplete. Right. That's the biggest emphasis. But remember, war is the answer. Jihad is the answer so far as Islam is concerned. And let us remind ourselves that jihad consists not only of the sword, but of the pen, the tongue, and the money. And to review today, tenacious. If it takes him 700 years, tenacious. Um, now let's get to the raid. On the Mustalik tribe. Glad you said that, not me. Well, anyway, there's a, the Mustalik were opposed to him, and he set out with his troops, and he found them at a watering hole, attacked in the morning, and he won. Now then, there's an interesting, we can call this romantic story, because everyone who lost, the children, the men who survived, and the women were all now ransomed. And if they couldn't be ransomed, they were sold as slaves. Now, there was one That's woman, happening with ISIS today, but go ahead. There was a one woman who was quite attractive. And so she came hey, to Muhammad and said, you know, could you lower my ransom price? And Muhammad looked at her and says, I got a better offer. Ooh. I'll pay your ransom price, and then you can be my bride. And so Muhammad took a new bride. This would be four now or three? Well, I'm not even keeping count. Oh. But anyway... And by the way, there is no settled agreement on how many wives he had. But anyway, this was one of the more famous. Now now there was a problem because now then she was his wife, so therefore all of the rest of the tribe were her relatives, and you could not imprison Muslims. So therefore they were all released. So romance won overall. He does. you got to give – I mean because there's a lot of things Muhammad does that's very brilliant. And there's a lot of things, you know, that just like how do these people buy this stuff? Uh, because there are inconsistencies in his teachings as they benefit him. 
You know, you wonder if he would have created this inconsistency if they didn't go so far as to tell you just how beautiful she was. It seemed to change his view. Well, this is not the first time he's going to pick up the best-looking chicks at the end of the battle. (laughs) No, 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 no. This turns out to be a constant. As a matter of fact, he got part of the sooner was he got his choice. Sweet. So now then, we now have – I have friends who are not Christian, and so they figure, hey, since I'm not a Christian, then the Muslims don't have any bones to pick with me. But – they're, they can call themselves atheists or spiritualists or whatever, but they're artsy types. Well, it turns out Muhammad had a rule about artists. You'll do your art my way or you won't do it at all. So there was a woman. Her name was uh, Marwan. And she uh, – no, that was her father. That was her do- – Marwan's anyway, confi- daughter. I don't remember Marwan's daughter, yeah. I'm, I'm getting confused here. No problem. But anyway, uh, she wrote a poem against Islam. And Muhammad sent a man who was nearly blind, and he snuck into her home at night. She had her babe at her breast. He removed the babe from her chest, and then with a long knife, drove it down through her chest and pinned her to the bed. So It's pretty violent. Fairly violent. And if you're an artist out there, I would ask you to remember this. This is the Sunnah of Muhammad. Well, All artists must... I got, an email this, art. I got an email this week that I shared on the air. I think it was on Monday, and that, that was this whole person's point. That, uh, you know, I really don't care what Muslims do. It's none of my business until they break laws in America. And I'm like, since when can, I mean, you know, we have the Internet. Uh, you know, they always make it your business. Sharia law is not for the Muslims. It's for you. It will be your business. And your ignorance is not bliss. It'll be your business when it's too late. Um, I think the most interesting part of this story is not the viciousness, the targeting of even artists who even in modern day tend to have these liberal views. Uh, it was the interaction with Muhammad in the morning that ought to really, I think, even more than driving a knife all the way through her, pinning her to the bed, which is a graphic. Um, the sex is graphic and the violence is graphic. That's why we've always said this would be a great movie. Madoff's got nothing on this. Uh, but it was Muhammad's reaction. You have helped when he, when he heard of the death. He says, you have helped Allah and his apostle. And then he turned to the people in the mosque, because this is where he got the news. He said, you wish to see a man who's assisted Allah and his prophet? Look here. Omar cried, what, the blind Amir? No, call him Amir the seeing. This was the half-blind man. And he went and threatened the other sons and said, you know, if you can talk against Muhammad or complain about the fact we killed your daughter, we'll kill you too. Peter cut an ear off a soldier. Jesus healed it instantly and rebuked Peter. Can you imagine if Jesus, somebody had gone and killed somebody so violently for something as simple as a poem, (laughs) and then Jesus praised it, gave him a new name, and upon this rock of violence I shall build my church. Yeah, you'd have a lot of Christians killing people today is the the point of my story, but go ahead. Well, we're now going to move to the next chapter in which we're going to kill some more Jews. Hmm. Uh, By the way, I find that both Christians and Jews are woefully ignorant of the life of Muhammad. So... uh, he attacked the second. Remember, when Muhammad moves to Medina, there are three Jewish tribes, and the town is half Jewish. So he's already he now attacks the second tribe of the two Jews and basically defeats them. And they left with what they could carry on their backs of their camels and left. And so we're now two tribes are down, a third one to go. Now we're going to have another battle. Well, but there's something you just glossed over that was real quick. There wasn't much of a fight with the second tribe of Jews. So much so that Muhammad didn't feel like they did enough to, to earn their booty. Well, no, since they do, basically he defeated them with his words, he got 100% of the booty. Well, <laughs> he did. Oh, God. He's beautiful. <laughs> because he didn't need his soldiers and cavalry. So as a result, yeah, we, he gets it all. All right. 
So I now like how then. he makes the rules. He's like playing cards with my son. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. My son just changes the rules to benefit him. Well, yeah. it works. He wins, right? All the time. <laughs> so now we're going to have yet another battle, and this is the Battle of the Trench. So when he heard that the Meccans were coming back for another battle, there was one of the Muslims was a man who had been to Persia. And he told Muhammad, he says, let's dig a ditch. So this is the first use of the ditch or a trench, as we would call it, mm-hmm. for warfare. And this turns out to be not much of a war at all because the weather was terrible. And the Meccans, when they got there, remember, the Meccans were not really warriors. These aren't Green Berets and Delta Force. These are merchants mm-hmm. who run a pilgrimage town. So they got to the trench, and they were like, because they couldn't use a cavalry charge. So they're like, what are we going to do here? Basically, I think it's two weeks of bad weather later. They didn't do much at all, and they just left. But it racked up as a victory for Islam. So, a, so that's, the, that's the Battle of the Trench. Now then, it turns out after the Battle of the Trench, we're going to have Gabriel the Archangel comes to Muhammad and says, where are you taking your armor off? We have to attack the Jews. And so Muhammad put the Jews under siege, and they decided what they would do is surrender, and they would turn their fate over to a man who they thought there was their friend, Saeed. And Saeed gave judgment. He said, kill the men, sell the women and children, sell the women for slaves and adopt the children into your family. And Muhammad says, you have given the judgment of Allah. And so as a result, 800 Jews are going to be beheaded in the marketplace, while his 12-year-old wife now sat beside him and watched the event. So the women, this is, this is uh, entertainment for Aisha. Yes. And uh, the women were sold in, in large lots, wholesaled them. And so this was the last of the three tribes in Mecca. And then the president of the United States in 2016 will go to a radical mosque in Baltimore and tell you all that Islam is a religion of peace and the people doing everything that we're describing. Do you realize the, the thing that ought to haunt you from today's classes? We're reading about things 1,400 years ago that are happening today. And they're happening today because they happened 1,400 years ago. And anybody to stand up and tell you that Islam is anything other than this is giving you a very inaccurate, deceitful, or incomplete view. And that's why we say you can't understand the Quran. You can't understand the news. You can't understand ISIS. You can't understand Barack Obama. You can't understand diddly squat till you understand the life of Muhammad. The Sira, our Masters in Divinities, WTN University, will conclude with Dr. Bill Warner in a moment. It's 1148 on a Super Bowl weekend, 42, high later on, 50. Miss Freeman, why can't you be like Mr. Del Giorno? And for goodness sakes, sit like a lady. <laughs> You're listening to WTN University on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. Just be grateful we're not still together. It was a different dynamic, Bill. Closing moments with Dr. Bill Warner from politicalislam.com, author of the book Sharia Law for Non-Muslims and just uh, all around a uh, very smart guy. Uh, we look at the life of Muhammad historically, accurately, and completely, and that is our WTN University. All right, let's wrap up today's class. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> Muhammad gets another sex slave. Well, out of the Jews, out of the he's Jewish doing, women. He's doing great. He got a wife. Now he's got a sex slave. So uh, he, he got her for his pleasure. And uh, then re- there's another assassination to come because there was a Jew named Salah, Salam, who helped to organize against the Muslims. Now, he was a failure, but he tried to defeat Muhammad. So as a result, Muhammad sent five men to, guess what, assassinate him. 
There's an interesting touch. I love the little de- graphic details here. When they came back, they, were, they killed him with swords, and so they were arguing over who actually gave the killing blow. And so Muhammad said, let me see your swords. And one of them still had some food on it from a thrust to the stomach. And he says, you kill Salam. So here we have, you like graphic? We got graphic. You know, what's interesting is that, you know, we see the sex slavery. Uh, we see the mistreatment of women and using them sexually and so on. We see the battles and so on. What we don't see as much come to life in the news is assassinations. Well... Remember, assassinations are like, do you remember when uh, Pam Geller did the thing in Texas about mm-hmm. Draw Muhammad? One guy tried to assassinate her. Yeah, so they, they are still prevalent, but not as much. Like, I'm thinking more of like uh, Ambassador Stevens was an assassination. Yes. Uh, people don't realize this, and Hillary's to blame, so is Barack Obama. But uh, Gaddafi uh, had a very uh, awful final few moments on Earth. I mean, he was literally raped in the anus with a knife as they made a public display of his assassination. But I'm surprised we're not seeing actually more of it. Uh, they do battle more on the streets than just send somebody undercover to an assassinate. Although now that I've, as we're working our way through it, yeah, they're there. We're just not noticing them as much, I guess. Well, no, assassination is an ongoing part of jihad. So key leaders are taken out this way, and this spreads fear. Uh, Demohood. We've been dying to talk about this. That's where we pick it up next week in WTN University, The Life of Muhammad. Jihad and the first Demis. We may be the last Demis. More on that uh, next week. I will see you at Hardwood Bargains in Cool Springs, noon to two tomorrow, to gloat about the Panthers' win Monday morning at nine. Until then, have a blessed, safe weekend, and go, Cam!